Hello and welcome to this episode of The Gaming Podcast. The Gaming Podcast is the official podcast of The Gaming Magazine. Uh, do not accept uh, bootleg substitutes, which looks at the video game world with a queer twist. You can check out more from Gaming Magazine by visiting www.gaymagmag.com. I'm Matt Cameron, and I am stepping in for our benevolent overlord, Robin, who is off sick this week. Aww. Um, new episodes of the gaming podcast come out every two weeks. If you're new to the podcast, uh, please click subscribe on your podcast app of choice so you don't miss another episode. Uh, we'll also have our first podcast competition later in the episode. Ooh, Ooh there's some good stuff there from what I've heard. Yeah. Uh, as you can hear, I'm joined on the show today by Amy. Hello. Hiya. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm freezing, but I'm doing good. In, in this lovely heated podcast booth? No, not, in, not here, I promise. It's outside. <laughs> um, if you're listening from outside the UK, we're in the middle of a bit of, uh, bit of a cold snap right now, so it's very chilly outside. Um, I'm also joined by Mia. Hello. Gotta go fast. Gotta go fast. Hi. <laughs> who, who is accidentally cosplaying Sonic. Just a little bit. I mean, I'm wearing blue. I don't know how much But, but you're wearing, like, royal blue. Yes. And you have uh, terrifying CGI eyes. Yes, I do. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you have human teeth. Exactly. Yeah, yeah human yeah. teeth, which... Um, I hope we all have yeah, human teeth. I mean, but... have any movie directors talked about redesigning you? Uh, not yet, no. Okay. I mean, like, we're in the process there of talks. Okay, so. cool. Maybe, maybe for the Blu-ray release of Mia. Yeah, definitely. Excellent. Cool. Right, we'll jump straight onto our opening segment, which is uh, what's in your slot, which is is not euphemistic whatsoever. Uh, this is where we talk about what we're playing at the moment. So I will jump straight in with Tokyo Mirage Sessions still. Uh, it's almost like JRPGs take an inordinate amount of time to get through, yeah. but I'm still really enjoying it. Even without the vagina bones included? The vagina bones? Did you not see that controversy? I did not see the controversy I did not see this bones. either. What is P- this? Please Tell explain, me about this. explain vagina bones. <laughs> uh, basically, there was a, a tweet uh, circulating Twitter, and it was showed the original, and then it showed the remake, and it was like some guy got really angry because there was... Uh, a picture of a, a woman's nail, and he's like, where are her vagina bones? They've edited them out, censorship in gaming again. And I'm just like, okay. <laughs> yeah, so, um, wow, I hang out in I, weird I'm places going on to the go internet. On, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that, uh, that that gentleman does not have the finest understanding of human anatomy. No, I, I think you're right. I've, I just... It's just so common to hear that kind of thing <laughs> lately. It's just really weird. It, it sounds like it was a similar case to um, when Xenoblade Chronicles uh, 2 came out in Western Territories and they localised one of the characters' ages up by three years. So she went from 13 to 16. Oh, right. Um, and made her costume slightly less skimpy and there was predictably a segment of the internet that was <laughs> outraged oh my goodness oh no we need our lolly bait yeah um, i didn't want to say it then but yeah, yeah, yeah that's a, <laughs> i uh, lose five years of my life every time i hear that word i'm like lolly bait lolly bait lolly bait i'm so young <laughs> um, i just want to make that a verb and that just makes it even worse <laughs> Um, but no, Tokyo Mirage Sessions, um, if you're not familiar, is um, a Persona, well, Shin Megami Tensei crossover with Fire Emblem. The Fire Emblem elements are barely there. They're the the, the summons that the characters use, but it, it's still like a really engaging, fun, turn-based mm. RPG. And it's got a real like old-school feel, similar to Final Fantasy sort of 7, 8, 9 era. Oh yeah, um, interesting. Like um, there, there, there are dungeons and stuff like that, aren't there? Or? Yeah, it's 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 very much based around entering and crawling through dungeons, mm. but the dungeon maps stay the same, and the plot gives you different reasons to go in and out of different dungeons as you hop around parts of Tokyo. It's also nice for a game with a fancy RPG style to be set in a, a real world yeah that has like vibe. a lot of like idol industry influence like the japanese idol industry yeah it's right? it's yeah. um the, the the your magic comes from uh an energy source called performer which uh you can only increase by becoming the best idol in japan I which mean, is 
utterly ridiculous and I love it. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's also like, it's so colorful and costume heavy and sort of like unintentionally gay. Oh, like, man. like no, the, 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 there's, some, there's some characters you can kind of like read in between the lines on, but like it, it, it's it's incredibly camp. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and yeah, I, I love it. I've seen the, the trailers. It's very bright. Very yeah. bright, very colorful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, not a shade of brown to be seen. No. <laughs> the songs are quite catchy as well from what I've seen. Yeah. If you like your J-poppy kind of upbeat stuff, it's uh, it's very fun. Um, it, it also gave me a reason to finally pack away my wii u because it was like the last game i was holding on to that was exclusive to the wii u Oh yeah i'm guessing there's not much left now to be ported over i think the last one was the wonderful 101 which is now coming to switch and ps4 and a bunch of other platforms now thanks Mm -hmm. to uh, a a ridiculous kickstarter success yeah um that i will be interested to see how they port over because the the wii u version was so idiosyncratic to using the the tablet controller for the gameplay now that can translate onto the switch quite easily although it'll swap it from a two screen to a one screen experience Mm. but ps4 pc xbox you know there are no screen adaptations so it will totally change how that game works so it'll be fascinating to see it And Amy, what are you playing at the moment? I am playing uh, playing Yakuza Kiwami, and which you corrected me on because <laughs> I was like uh, Kiwami, Kiwami, <laughs> but and also some Dragon Age Two because everybody knows I love Dragon Age Two. What keeps you going back to Dragon Age Two? Uh, it's just the characters. I love them so much. I think they're so weirdly relatable, despite not being weirdly relatable. It's um. Plus, I really feel like if I had to describe the Dragon Age Two cast, it'd be like those like those gay group of friends that you've made in like university, and they're just mm. they're just you know they're just so camp and funny and they just go off to save the world. Yeah, they just go yeah. off to save the world. It's like like you know that's like really meaningful to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird. I, I played Dragon Age Two when I was like uh, 14, 15. and. Um, because I was in the closet at the time, but it felt it really meant a lot to me to like be openly like queer in that universe, despite yeah. it being like medieval gritty fantasy, and nobody really cared. It was more like okay, well, so were we, <laughs> that kind well, of thing. A, lo- a lot of the cultural standards we have in terms of uh, sexuality are are actually quite modern. You go back a hundred years, and what we consider gay now didn't exist. Mm. Uh, there was. There were people with same-sex attraction, but like the identity of being gay is quite a, yeah. a modern phenomenon. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I know we've uh, touched on it before, but like Bioware games in general, giving you that um, accessibility to just be anyone that you want to be in that space um, for anybody growing up, including myself. That's a very, very um, formative uh, experience. You, you get to just. Uh, just just express yourself in any way that you want to. And I, I really feel like Dragon Age 2 gets a, a bunch of undeserved flack because I personally think it is the best of the series myself. I'd like, oh, yeah, definitely. From, from, like, your standard uh, gamer, like, I feel like it's the most accessible experience of all the Dragon Age games, mm. like, in terms of, like, the combat system as well and the, the romances that are in there. I mean, Iron Bull himself... It, that was that, that was, was Inquisition. Right. That one. Oh, was it? Oh. That was Inquisition. But uh, what did two have? Two had Isabella, Fenris, Meryl, uh, Anders, and the choir boy Sebastian. Oh. But um, there was there was controversy over how their sexualities were handled. Like uh, back when it came out, everyone was like, "Oh, they're not bisexual. They're just uh, player sexual." And there was a, a lot of controversy over that, but like when you play the game, uh, like two particular characters, I believe it was um, Anders and Isabella, they react differently depending on your gender. So I don't know. Like I think some of them are genuinely bisexual. I can understand why people argue for like that they're player sexual, but I'm not hundred percent convinced because some of the characters do change depending on what gender you play. I think that goes back to what we've talked about on this podcast before, where having characters that are malleable in their sexuality, depending on the player preference, mm. isn't 
the same or isn't as progressive as as putting a character in like don't nod they're doing with tell me why and saying this character is trans this character is bi this character mm. is gay whatever um it's great that you've got the, the freedom in these kind of games to make a character or pursue a relationship that is to your liking but it's it's not as forceful as telling a player regardless of their sexuality that this character is queer mm. well i don't know i feel like um for isabella and anders in particular i uh, i still think like they are you know uh, they have preference for men and women but i just don't think it, i think it weirdly i do agree with that um they should have made it more um, noticeable for some characters because if you're not playing a certain gender you don't get to see that side of them so I 100% agree on that but I think that at the time because it was released back in about 2012 maybe I think it was quite progressive at the time because I remember absolutely everybody slating it for that reason mm. so I don't know I think it's uh, do you know screw if you do screw if you don't that kind of thing but that's just my personal opinion anyway and let's just briefly go back to the other game you said you're playing, uh, Yakuza Kiwami. Are you playing the first Kiwami or the second? The first. So, the first. so all the way back to yeah. the, the, the the rebooted origins. Yeah, yeah. And how are you finding that? Um, you know, I played Yakuza O first, and I absolutely adored that. I, but when I went into Yakuza Kiwami, I was expecting the same thing from it that I got from O. But I think what I realised is that it's a remake of a, like, I think it's like, uh, 20 years old um, the original Yakuza came out on PS2 yeah so. yeah so it's a, it's a while back wow. so hmm. when I went in and I was like oh it's not as glitzy or uh, like it doesn't have as much interactivity hmm. as oh I was like oh didn't quite like it that much but hmm. I'm enjoying it now because I realise it is still like an old game but it's super good it's super funny and I just love all the characters and it's good to like, and there's a dog in it, and I'm like, oh, you, you know, I'm sold. Can you, can you pet the dog? No, you cannot oh, pet the dog. I, you, I'm not sold. But you <laughs> save it from certain death. So that's, oh, okay. okay. Well, okay. That's, that's pretty good. As, as someone that's never played a Yakuza game before, um, because, like, if, I mean, somebody in the audience, clearly, who hasn't played Yakuza before, what type of game is that? I mean, I've definitely played Yakuza. So I've always thought they were... And this might not help because a lot of people might not play this either, but they feel to me like an evolution of what the Shenmue games would have become mm -hmm. if mm. it hadn't had a 20-year hiatus. So they're ostensibly RPGs mm. uh, set in and around Japan's criminal underworld. Uh, with one of my favorite little factoids about the Yakuza games is that actual Yakuza crime family members consulted on yeah, the games. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Um, so it, it's it's super authentic. Uh, as as far as like a weird open world mm -hmm. RPG goes, um, but um, well, you've been playing it more, Amy. So yeah, I, I'd say no, I agree. I think it is like an RPG, but there's so many like action elements in it. Like oh, so it's like an action RPG. You beat people up with your fists. And, yeah, yeah. Oh, which I totally know because I've played it. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Um, but yeah, you kind of just go around the city and there's like little sub stories that you do and everything. Right. And you know, you discover it's a, like the city of Kamurocho, like you're in there for like all of the games. Kamurocho. Kamurocho. Sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> but um, yeah, you're in there for like all the games. So it becomes a character in itself. And I love that city so mm. much. It's mm. amazing. And uh, it's just, a, you know, it, um, it takes a. Uh, you play as uh, Kiyugazuma. Kiyu Kazuma for for you, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and you basically he he starts as like a young eighteen year old, and it goes you know it goes on to how he became like uh, I believe I haven't actually finished it, so I, I I could be wrong, but how he becomes how, how he rises through the ranks of the Yakuza crime syndicates, yeah, pretty yeah. much. Interesting. Mm. Um, and the story is like continuous through the games. Mm. Um, it'll follow the the same cast and their relationships and stuff. Mm -hmm. So it's, um, so it's a progressing story as well. It, it's, yeah. it's basically, uh, Japanese crime EastEnders, the video game. Oh, nice. <laughs> That's probably the worst way you could have explained that. But yeah, no, I'm just imagining Phil Mitchell and I just don't want to. You Sorry. slag, you bitch, you slag, you bitch. <laughs> uh, 
And Mia, what have you been playing recently? Oh, yeah. So I've been playing Final Fantasy VII, the original. Kicking it old school. I'm on that old school grind because I'm so excited about the new one coming out. So, yeah, I just jumped... I thought, what better way to like refresh myself? Because I've been watching a bunch of the like new trailers and stuff like that, and like stuff's been moved around, and there's a lot of changes in the new one. So I thought I'm gonna go back and refresh my memory, so I know exactly what to expect when when the new one comes out, and know what the changes are too. And it's just it's a fantastic experience just going back and 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 playing that again. It's probably one of my favorite games of all time, and being able to share that with other people now is is, is great because I'm, you know, I stream and stuff. Uh, so sharing that plug, plug for the um, URL at twitch.tv forward slash mirabyte b-y-t-e go there go there currently streaming Final Fantasy 7 <clears throat> yeah definitely um, I've just made it to uh, just past uh, Nibelheim Nibelheim so I'm just at Rocket Town now which is uh, still disc one still did a lot of grinding and I'm, I'm finding so much out about the game that I didn't know the first time around like these intricate systems and stuff yeah. and just narratively there was a lot you could miss that was um non-essential to progression like you could entirely miss picking up yuffie or vincent as playable characters yes you could you could completely miss that i mean which is weird because i like i I did that for the first time like the first time i played it like more than 20 years ago now when was it like 1997 was it yeah something like yeah something like that i think it came out a little bit later here but anyway um yeah, but but like in terms of like the magic system and like the material system and the combinations that you can do in that, and just the characters that you interact with, I didn't even know until recently that Jessie was a girl in that oh, game. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's hard to tell when you're looking at those old school like, models, yeah, polygonal yeah. like blocks running around pre-rendered environments. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. My notions of uh, gender in that game were just completely shattered. So, uh, I mean, but that's <laughs> that's always the fun thing about it. I've been noticing like a lot of stuff. Back then, of course, it was made in the '90s, so you get like a little bit of uh, some 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 questionable choices. Questionable choices, mm-hmm. you know, slight misogyny. You know, mm. you know, don't cry like a girl and stuff like mm. that, which is like. Yeah. Well, you one know. of the interesting things with the remake, um, with the trailer that Square Enix dropped uh, last week, I believe, as we're recording this. Um, yeah, like it, so, uh, for anyone who hasn't played Final Fantasy VII, like Me? Amy, <gasps> shut. Shut I know. My first Final Fantasy game was <laughs> Final Fantasy X, okay? Oh, okay. No, that's a good one, actually. Yeah. I, I, as long as you didn't say 13, then no, that's oh, right. Oh, God, no. I mean, I do like 13. Sorry, guys. But, oh, uh, okay. Uh, the door's there. We uh, cannot be friends. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> um, uh, to, to be fair, uh, we're, we're going on digression after digression here, but I, I will, to this day, defend Final Fantasy 13 too because mm, I true. view it as a stealth chrono trigger sequel mm. it's got very similar mechanics plot progression uh the the time leaping the way the um team up attacks work it reminded me very very heavily of chrono trigger mm. so like I, I will go to back for 13 too but that's it no i, I actually should give 13 again to digress i should give 13 another chance on potentially play 13 too because i never touched that because i never completed the first one so yeah, yeah. But you're saying about the uh... yeah. So uh, Square Enix dropped a trailer with the um, the infamous uh, dress cloud up as a girl scene, mm-hmm. uh, which I think had been hanging over a lot of people's heads as like, how are they going to update this for I... a modern audience without being wildly transphobic? I was so worried that they were just going to completely cut that entire portion of the game, and and there are like several changes that have been made. But from what I can see for the moment, they, they seem to be keeping it um, more respectful. There's an entire, like... Uh, New character. Yeah. Uh, the the compare who's mm-hmm. saying, like, uh, true beauty comes from within, gender is an illusion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that, which that's, is really progressive. That's set at the Honey Bee Inn, which in the original game is basically a whorehouse. Mm. So now it seems to have this more cabaret burlesque style... Mm. Uh, thing going on there and uh, being very gender positive in yep. what I've seen from the trailer so I'm, I'm very pumped to go through that entire section yeah it looks like it's um, it's more integrated now whereas before uh, the outcome of that sequence if you didn't get the right dress the right wig the right ear wing ear, ear wings <laughs> ear rings um, then the the confrontation with um, Don, Don Corneo, Corneo mm-hmm. would be slightly different. Whereas this, it look, from the cutscenes they've shown in the trailer, it looks a lot more um, important to the overall plot. So I'll yeah, be very interested to yeah. see how that pans out. And um, I'm I'm very interested to see if there are still those choices kept. Like one of the 
one of the worries that I have is that they'll cut down on like how intricate the original was. And because again, I'm just finding out like there are so many different options and choices even in that side quest alone. Um, that you can get like different dresses and stuff like that. And again, like going back and seeing like it was it was a weird experience, like but for me as a as a, as a trans person, um, having cloud trust cross-dress back then was like kind of like a big deal mm. like you know in terms of like oh well that's kind of more of an accepted thing and it's kind of like played up for a joke a little bit but if you look in that like area of the slums and stuff as well there are like other people who clearly are like into like cross-dressing and stuff like that and it's it's not played off as being incredibly negative mm. but i guess it's uh it's possibly a subset of, of japanese culture as well also i mean from an outsider looking in perspective, I've always gotten the impression that Japan is more accepting of gender diversity than mm. it is of sexuality diversity. Mm-hmm. Um, like you've got things like um, I'm probably going to mispronounce this now, uh, Takurazuka Review, which is like an all-female theatre troupe that does um, mostly male mm. characters. You've got a lot more. Um, sympathetic representations of trans characters in manga like Wandering Sun uh, whereas gay and uh, lesbian characters are either fetishized or treated as a bit weird Um, Mm. again that's very much just outside of looking in perspective but it does seem that there's some more sort of cultural acceptance of gender diversity Mm. Mm, that's interesting considering the whole Persona 5 thing going on but uh, that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> and we'll uh, come to that shortly, uh, right after this break. Izzy, if one of your goals for 2020 was to get a new job in the video games industry, where would you start? I've no idea, but I'm sure you know. Well, I would head to Skill Search. It's their mission to match top talent in the games industry with studios searching for their hard-to-find skills. What makes them so special? Well, their skilled team of niche experts immerse themselves in the world of those they work with, mirroring the studio setup. Oh, and they've just celebrated their 30th birthday. Ah, are they UK-based? No, not at all. Um, they have a global reach working with clients and candidates across Europe, Asia and North America. And, you know, because of their global network in an industry where people willingly relocate for the perfect opportunity, they're skilled not only in helping people find their dream job, but they're also relocation specialists too. They even include city guides in all of their job listings. Okay, that's awesome, but... How do they know for sure that my skills match their vacancies? Well, Skill Search understands the people they work with and have excellent insight into the game's job market, thanks to regularly attending industry events and their Salary and Satisfaction Survey. In fact, the Salary and Satisfaction Survey is now in its sixth year, and they've just released this year's report, which you can check out on Gaming Magazine. OK, I'm sold. Maybe I will start job hunting in Skillsearch. Well, go check out Skillsearch.com to start looking. There are hundreds of jobs online right now. OK, I'm off. Wait, we have the rest of this podcast to get through first. Too late. I'm going job hunting. Hello and welcome back to The Gaming Podcast. I'm here with this week's pod squad of uh, Mia and Amy. You had to get that in. I, I did have to get it in. I was on a little uh, right, WhatsApp that, prep before. I'm overly pleased with it. That hurts me on a fundamental level, but I'll allow it. <laughs> um, so we're going to move on to our best of gaming uh, section, where we talk about our pick of the most recent stories on Gaming Magazine. Um, Amy, let's start with you, because you touched on this before we went to our... Ad break. Um, break. Persona and localization. Yes. What's happening there? Well, Persona 5, when it originally came out, it had a very homophobic scene where I don't... And this is where people are going to lose me because I've not played the Persona 5 games, but I kept up with it, what was happening, because I was interested in what Atlas was doing, which is a a crime, actually. I should never be interested in what Atlas is doing after after Catherine and Persona, but whatever. Um, But yeah, um, basically in Persona 5, there's a pretty terrible scene where these two guys start to harass one of the protagonist's friends, and I'm not going to pronounce his name because I just can't. And... uh, um, it gets very homophobic really fast, and it, you know, and it's just it's not like really obvious to the point, but it's like it's how they portray the men. 
That is really aggravating. How they portray the attackers. Mm. Yeah, yeah, the men. Uh, and they, you know, they they kind of like come on to him in such a sexual way. And it's like, he's not obviously part of that because he's only a teenager, if I remember right. And he's like, no, stop and everything. And it just is horrible because it like vilifies gay men and sees them and makes them come across as predatory. And it's just a terrible scene and I hate yeah. it. And mm. they're apparently changing it for Persona 5 Royal. And um, as you can expect, people the, the are series, happy about that. The series, to an extent, has uh, form for that. Because I remember with Persona 4, I think the main Persona 4, possibly Persona 4 Golden, the expanded edition, um, there's... Um, uh, she's not ostensibly uh, presented as a trans man, but there's a female character who much prefers uh dressing and acting as a boy uh wants to become a detective and one of her um character revelations um as part of the the dungeons because mm. you, you in these games you tend to uh power up by uh like breaking through psychological barriers yeah um, mm. she realizes actually she looks quite nice in dresses and she should dress more like a girl and it's just oh God, like, it's very very uncomfortable oh god it, it's like one of those modern uh, you know when the geeky girl has glasses on and she takes like, them she off, them off. Yeah. lets down like, her hair yeah, yeah everyone's like oh my god she was beautiful all along I'm like, oh god that's so cringy um, so what are they changing with the localization of that? Are they apparently, making it less homophobic? Uh, apparently they're making it... So uh, the men who are attacking uh, the, the guy is less predatory and like um, they're making it seem more in a positive... Well, not positive, sorry, a better light than they, it originally was. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but that's only for the West. They're not doing that for... Uh, for the Japanese the release. Japanese, yeah, not they're not doing it for that release. And as you can expect, people are some people are happy about it, and that's fine. But for me, I feel like it's just putting like a plaster on like a gaping wound because, you know, even I think what they're doing is good, but I think it's just you know, this content's still there, mm. if you know what I mean. How do you feel about that, Mia, in terms of um localizing for regional um cultural expectations versus uh, creator intent well uh yeah this is actually something that that I'm, I'm kind of like i have differing opinions on this because i'm very passionate about like keeping um uh the the artist like the creator's original like uh, viewpoint like whole um for good or bad for good or bad yeah because you're essentially you're capturing what that is but at the same time is that if this is potentially something that's that's damaging uh for uh, a culture or part of a, a certain audience then then maybe it is worth going in and and making those changes um i would i would probably say like again like i have no problem in general with with people being portrayed in certain ways because there are bad people everywhere mm-hmm. um and even if that's like um, um homosexual people um, being bad people too that could be possible some people are predatory that's that's a whole thing but having that be the only representation in a game I think that's where the issue comes in mm. like uh, if if there are more positive um, instances of queer representation or anything like that across uh, Atlas games or even in Persona 5 itself I feel like it would be far less impactful than just having this as the only representation of um like gay people yeah like, because it makes every gay person out to be this way mm. so I, that's that's my key issue there yeah i think that'll be um the the proof in the pudding um mm. because persona 5 royal is an expanded version of persona 5 yeah. so there are new characters new scenarios new situations so the the plot will evolve alongside those additions so it'll be mm. interesting to see in the finished version how that pans out how much more representation if any there is yeah hopefully hopefully there is like more like positive instances of, of representation uh just in general um, and maybe like uh in the future atlas can move towards that and um, from everything i've heard i've not really played many atlas games but from everything I've, I've heard about their their past track record it's it's not been the best time no. but we can always live in the hope that that things will change mm. and 
and uh, they will make those positive changes. And if they get good feedback based on the changes that have been made, maybe that's something that they'll implement in future titles but that still doesn't change the fact that it's it's necessarily like wrong now yeah so it's also quite interesting that the persona and the wider shin megami tensei franchise is quite uh, psychosexual um a lot of it deals with uh psychological concepts from various um philosophers and psychologists um there's a, a demon you can summon um, in some of the games called Mara, who is like a giant penis on a chariot. Okay. Oh, I think I've seen like, <laughs> yeah, images of that, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So it's not a game that shies away from sex and sexuality in a psychological sense. So mm-hmm. it's always been slightly surprising that they've never been like never been as progressive or insightful as they could have been. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, I think they really get close to it sometimes. Like for... Catherine, uh, which I played the newer version of Catherine, they try, they get to a certain point where I think, oh, they're going to step over and actually, you know, become, you know, like not like shake away all the bad things they've done, but they've like take a step forward and but then they just ruin it at the last second and it's like you're just so close to like doing the bare minimum. I said I I, I heard about this situation. That's like there is a a character in there which is um, not necessarily uh, gender. Conforming, hmm. um, and that whole that whole situation was very interesting. So I know um, when I was first hearing about what happened with that particular scene, when the main character finds out certain things, yeah. um, a lot of people were making out to be a lot worse than what was actually in the final game. Hmm. Like yeah. there were like allegations of like assault and stuff like that, where it's it's more or less like he hits the person's hand away because he's found that out. Again, it's it's still. A negative depiction, um, but I do feel like we have to stay true to what is actually there mm. and not give, mm. you know, and not give the people that would uh, shout this kind of stuff down um, ammunition. Yeah. To yeah. Uh, just because I think that's the other side of it. You, there's for we exist in to an extent an outrage mm-hmm. culture, particularly if you're on certain parts of the internet. Yeah. And things in media particularly any narrative-led media that have a negative depiction can have narrative reasons to have a negative depiction. As you were saying earlier, Mia, you know, like, villains exist. Yeah. Like, you can't have a story where everyone is, like, happy and perfectly nice and even the bad guys respect people's, you know, sexuality and gender identities. Like, you need, like, negative representation to highlight positive representation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. For instance, uh, did you, um, this is a little bit like diversion from the topic, but kind of on the same ballpark. Did anybody uh, uh, watch Has Been Hotel? No. No. Okay, so that is a that is a, a show that's set in hell. Oh. That sounds good. And it's about um, one, like the princess of hell trying to start a hotel to uh, basically um, uh, rehabilitate uh, sinners to try and get them into heaven. And there are people angry that the people that were in hell were incredibly terrible people and homophobic and making all these these horrible jokes. And if you think from a narrative point of view, they're literally people from hell. <laughs> <laughs> they're going to be like this, you know. Like, So I, I, I do have to take a step back sometimes and think, okay, well, is this people, is this just outrage culture, mm. like, taking its, its, its stance again? And um, I, I always think it's, it's best in these situations to, like, dig into it, make your own uh, decisions, look at the, the, you know, the evidence and, and cast your own viewpoint. Um, but definitely just don't take anybody else's word for it. Like, I feel like that's the worst thing people can do is, like, just look at a headline and, and just think, oh, that's, like, the worst thing possible. Mm-hmm. No. But, yeah. Cool. And what have you been enjoying on the site recently? Um, well, actually, I saw a very, very interesting article about... Um, uh, Dungeons and Dragons, actually. No. <laughs> From me. <laughs> yes. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. So LGBTDND. Yes, LGBTDND. That what a wonderful, wonderful way of putting that. By the way, yeah. So apparently there is uh, a lot more um, LGBT positive experiences coming in the in the new uh, Dungeons and Dragons mm. expansion. How does that work actually? Because I've never really been into D and D. Yeah, same. So Ma- uh, like an, an ex of mine was into the World of Darkness pen and paper RPGs. Mm. Very good RPG that. Well, um, 
not to my tastes, shall we say. <laughs> That's um, fine. I, that style of gaming does not resonate with me. Mm-hmm. Um, I've mainly had um, experiences with... If you imagine, like, all the stereotypes of D&D players, the people oh, who God. kind of, like, wear cosplay to go and play it around their mate's house and never break character, those are the kind of people I've been unfortunate enough to, like, experience pen and paper RPGs with. So it's, like, that and just the general mechanics of it have never gelled with me. So, mm-hmm. like me, I don't have a huge amount of experience with uh-huh. those kinds of games and D&D in particular. So, all on you. Oh, I love them. I, <laughs> I completely love them. Um, I think... Um, the problem with I think if there's like one problem with D and D that I think stands out the most is that so many people just think it ends at D and D, and there's so many other games out there like uh, you've got you, you know you've got your if you're a Lord of the Rings fan you've got your Lord of the Rings tabletop games that kind of stuff you got Dragon Age that kind of I've got friends like who play that. Pathfinder which I believe was a spin off yeah. or, or splintered off from one rule set of D&D is yes, that right kind of like I've not played Pathfinder too much but I know that it just recently got its second edition and it, it was pretty good but yeah um, as for the LGBT side of it there's now a lot of more podcasts where it's just LGBT characters and I find those interesting because you know people will say well it doesn't really matter you know but some people actually find themselves Mm. in playing Uh role-playing those kind of games so like we were saying with Dragon Age like being able to um perhaps if you're closeted like experiment with those Mm. identities through a, a veneer of fiction yeah yeah exactly like I feel like you know, if you're just going to go to regular old, oh, a bunch of male adventurers go defeat some orcs and that's it. And then, come on. Also, there's a dragon. <laughs> there's a dragon. Yeah. And that's the big boss. And then that's it. And, oh, they occasionally go to a whorehouse and that kind of stuff. That's the reason. That's the reason that uh, that that Christians back in the, uh, what was it, the, the, the 80s and 90s were really set against D&D. It's because people <laughs> could potentially, be, you know, ex- explore their sexualities and realise that they're, uh, they're LGBT through D&D. And so so this, this is like <laughs> is my favourite really? anecdote wow. about D&D. So in, uh, was a joke, there was a, a prolific um, Christian cartoonist, I guess, called Jack Chick, mm-hmm. um, who, um, like if you Google Chick Tracts, you'll find a bunch of them. He did little pamphlet comics um, that were all Christian, like hardcore Christian propaganda. And they would, uh, one of the the most infamous ones is um, a girl who plays D&D and she starts being rebellious to her parents and smoking. uh, And um, she, she, storms out of her parents and then she she goes to a D game she's like i need real satanic power when i level up and it's it's oh, hilarious I, I think i saw, saw like john tron do like a takedown on that video or something that was was it like a, a video no no, no these are like physical comics that this jack trick guy are, jack chick guy did and you just used to like distribute them all over there is a very similar uh video uh series which is like a very christian like positive avoid dnd because it's like a gateway to actual satanism and stuff like that (laughs) it was uh it's hilarious if you can find that on youtube definitely definitely worth like frankly if if i could get like real like magic powers from playing dnd i'd be like let's get get it out right now let's have paper let's go yeah (laughs) (laughs) Fear um, me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> my gay powers. Let's go. What, one thing that's, th- this is just me going into like like pet peeves now. One thing that's always annoyed me when I have experimented with D&D mm-hmm. uh, is like, why are there like 16 different classes of wizard? Like you've got, you got wizard sorcerer. and warlock and sorcerer. Yeah. It's just like, just like throw a fireball. They've added more classes. There's more, more different like magic classes. Just why? Well, what, what, what's know. the difference between a sorcerer and a, and a wizard? Well, one's got more power. <laughs> no, one, one's like, pretty saucy. Yeah. And the other one's just a wizard. Yeah. Yeah. And wizards are way overpowered, in my opinion, anyway. But that's just getting okay. into mechanics. <laughs> but yeah. But unless there's like a, a druid, that's more like nature kind of magic and stuff like that. But I don't I don't know. It was, um, it was nice to read about as well. 
uh, that, that they're actually like implementing like LGBT characters into the was it the, the stories that are yeah, in the guidebooks and stuff. So and like stuff. In the, yeah, yeah. So yeah. so canon characters, characters in the world are now mm-hmm. like definitively LGBT. Yeah, and I feel like that's probably the 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 best way of just again normalization. Mm-hmm. Just uh, just popping characters that are are a set way are LGBT in a story. Don't make a big deal out of it, mm-hmm. you know. And then people just come to terms with that and and you know somebody who might be a little bit on the fence about that sort of things because there are people that exist like that unfortunately um maybe they'll they'll come around you know mm. yeah i feel like that's the best way of, of, of reaching out to people is just like uh, reducing that amount of ignorance that there is so so years ago i used to play magic the gathering mm-hmm. similar kind mm-hmm. of fancy nerdy overlap here um long since dropped out of it because i can't afford to keep up with all those cards and um, one of the narrative, um, like, canon book series um, that are written around them got some flack recently because I believe they changed a character that had been definitively uh, yes. written as bisexual. Yes, Nissa. I think it was yes. Nissa. And, yeah, I wrote um, about that, yeah. Th- there was this book that came out that, like, categorically claimed, like, she would, she would never look at another woman this way. It's like, yeah, yeah. And that, that seems a, a bit, so almost like the opposite of what Wizards of the Coast are doing with yeah. D&D. Yeah. So it's like a bit of a, a erasure there, but, mm. yeah. That's, yeah. Uh, because I think it, it was, like, implied, I, I haven't read all of the books or anything, but I know that it was implied that, I think it was between, um... Chandra and Nissa, and sorry, no, it was Chandra that got like rewritten or something like that, and people were very upset about it because it, they were hinted to be like getting together, and then all of a sudden this book came out, and it's like, no, I see Nissa as a sister. I'm like, okay, we just got sistered in the two, 2020. Like, <laughs> damn. Oh no, it could have been worse. They could have been could have been cousins. Sailor yeah. Moon reference. Oh, <laughs> oh god. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. Um, so I uh, recently wrote uh, a piece for the site on uh, Not Tonight and its DLC, uh, which um, came out on PC uh, over the last 18 months or so. I think mm-hmm. the game came out 2018, the DLC, middle of last year, but it's just dropped in a complete package on the Switch. Um, and um, it's very political and very definitively anti-Brexit. Um, and one of the things it really highlights... so. The, the game itself is set in a slightly tangential timeline where things got even worse after the 2016 referendum and a lot faster. So a far-right mm-hmm. government has taken over and uh, started castigating EU citizens or even people of EU descent who have been born here, live their whole lives here, but they've got, like, a Norwegian grandfather that, like, mislabeled something... 50 years ago and yeah. they can't prove um yeah um it's not actually sounding that much like fiction really if you look at the news <laughs> is it say, I'm like, Isn't this yeah um but the alternate timeline sorry you can't hear my air quotes there <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah very alternate mm-hmm. so alternate um but the dlc is called one love and it's set um a few months after the events of the main game right. Uh, following a side character from the main game who's uh, escaped the UK, mm-hmm. um, can't think why, and moved to France and gets sort of scuppered into uh, signing up for like a hyper expensive grinder slash Tinder homage. Um, and you just have to, you've got 30 in-game days to find the love of your life through this app, which sounds really, like, cute and sweet and doesn't <laughs> seem to be quite as high stakes as mm-hmm. the main game, okay. where um, you, you play a character who has to, who's forced into the service economy to earn 30 grand a year to stay in the UK. Oh, so it not, doesn't seem quite, quite as harsh, but it's still set against, like, the Brexit yeah. background. Hmm. Um the main character you you play, a bartender called Dave, is um, quite pleasantly sort of like his sexuality is malleable. He's he's player sexual. Right. Um, you can date a robot, a woman, a man, a dog. Wait, there are a robots dog? in this game. There, there, there's a robot and a dog. You can like the first four matches you get on Flamer, the 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 grinder analog, uh, are a, a, a robot. Uh, a, 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 a snooty artist man, uh, a god-bothering woman, 
and a, a dog. When called. you say dog, yeah, a literal dog. Do you or mean furry, furry or dog? Like I, I, I've not pursued that that story path, so uh, but it's a dog. It's many a dog. people haven't. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> maybe he's a, a human in a dog suit. It, it's a dog. It's four legs on a dog. Okay. I, I just want to not believe that. Yeah. <laughs> I refuse to but, believe it. Yeah. Um, but what 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 I found really interesting is it. Because it's set against this um, political backdrop, it really, perhaps accidentally, but it definitely highlights the the unique challenges that LGBT people will face in the UK as a result of Brexit. Like mm. a lot of our uh, rights and protections are, some have been written into UK law, but a lot are still underpinned by the um, EU Charter of Fundamental Rights. Now, if we're if the UK as a country is no longer signed up to that, that's like the the Charter provides like a base level below which rights and protections cannot drop. And if we're not signed up to that, then we could start seeing oh, protections mm. and. Um, rights diminished to to quote unquote bolster the economy perhaps like w- employment rights might yeah go away but like it might become so like, al- allowable to to fire people for being yeah. trans or gay or whatever. Yeah. practices um, such an open-minded prime minister how could that <laughs> even happen no i'm kidding i can't even get yeah. rid of sentence um and things like uh, like we we would be uniquely affected by the loss of um freedom of movement because we I mean, this kind of goes across the board. You will see in the news already, people won't be able to keep their spouses in the country. Whereas if you're an EU citizen, even if you move to a country within the EU that doesn't have marriage equality, like, say, Italy, you could take your same-sex partner with you because you as an EU citizen have the right of um, your relationship being recognised in law Mm -hmm. at an EU level. We lose that. So your your same-sex spouse might not be able to move with you if you moved to another country, for instance. Um, It's for a game that is pixelated and kind of like this kind of goofy thing of like high um, satire, Mm -hmm. uh, raising quite serious issues through metaphor is uh, is quite an accomplishment, I think. It's interesting. When I read the article, I was like, because I was finding out stuff because I paid attention to Brexit, but I never paid attention to it as someone who's LGBT and how it could affect me, really. Mm. So when reading your article, I was like, oh, my God. Like, it was jarring to read that and think, well, I'm really living in a country mm. that's like this. In yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I never actually really gave it any, any, like, second thought or anything like that. Like, if those protections could potentially, like, disappear. Like, but that, that kind of, like... It's a little bit sobering, isn't it? Mm. So it's, it's like, mm. and pr- protections but, aside, you've got um, potential issues with um, supply and demand mm. chains, which can affect medicine, which is apparently already affecting um, hormone supplies, both for HRT and for um, trans people. So I've heard something about that. Like, um, yeah, there was a, a period where people were, were saying that they were having difficulties getting hold of HRT. I've not had any issues myself yet, but uh, then again, I'm about to make a couple calls <laughs> later today, <laughs> and we'll we'll see we'll see what what happens with that. But um, I, I'm under the influence, and again, I don't know. Under the influence, we've been. Are you drinking while podcasting? <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> I wish, like during this conversation, anyway. I wish. Um, <laughs> so I'm I'm under the idea that um, uh, that oh, I've completely forgotten what I was going to say. Now after that, uh, yeah, uh, that that um that no changes will actually come into place until later this year. So yeah, at the moment we're in what's called the um, transition period. Yes. Uh, which I know runs, all about those, don't yeah. worry. <laughs> <laughs> which runs out at the end of December this year. I think December 31st, mm-hmm. so like the, like the very end of the year. Um, by which point, if there isn't a trade agreement in place, and trade agreements typically take, like a fast one will take five years to, mm-hmm. to hash out. Uh, and that's if both parties are coming to the table, <sighs> like, like chummy. Um, 
Uh, it yeah. took our government so long to get like <laughs> to, yeah. to, to do Brexit. I was like, oh my god, yeah, Jesus. Um, okay, about uh, forty, uh, and it will happen. Or yeah, well, at all. So, so the, the the real concern, and this is this is strayed wildly into just like full on politics. This isn't even related to not tonight at this point. Mm. But um, the 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 real worry is. Um, December thirty first will be the the actual cliff edge that people have mm. have talked about previously. If um, if there's no further extension and the UK government is saying there won't be, then that is that is it. Like borders up, seventeen mile queues at Dover, supplies oh, not getting God. in, no toilet paper on the shelves. Uh, Jesus, yeah. don't worry, the virus will have taken care of us by then. It'll be fine. Hooray for <laughs> coronavirus! Yeah. Oh, <laughs> F- fittingly, uh, Mia is wearing an umbrella corp hat at the moment. I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As a side note, did you did you see the the meme that was going around? Oh, the, the Wuhan medical facility yeah. has the same logo. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I also ironically liked the meme of people saying Corona is an anagram of raccoon. It's like, yeah, if you misspell raccoon, yeah. it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Smart um, people. Smart people. S- smart, smart people. Um, uh, in in short, uh, not tonight. Very good. Very sobering. Uh, bring on the biological um, impact of coronavirus because it's our only hope. <laughs> oh, God. Happy, happy joy. And we'll be back after these next messages. Welcome back. I'm still here with Mia and Amy. And uh, as always, we're going to finish up the podcast with our hot topic segment. Uh, This is our small discussion on a big topic. And what bigger topic this week than the release of the Sonic the Hedgehog movie? Yay! Gotta go fast. Gotta go fast! (laughs) I haven't even seen it. (laughs) Um... For anyone who's not listened before, Amy is the one person on no, Earth. No, there's three of us at the very least. The one person no, on three. Earth who liked the original Sonic movie design with his terrifying eyes and I, I horrific think, human teeth. You know, you know, you know what? I think there should have been like a shape of water kind of thing for uh-huh. Sonic because that already exists in video oh. games, so everyone can't judge oh, me. Oh, no. Yeah? We don't talk about Sonic 06. Why are you bringing this up? <laughs> the only thing that could make Sonic 06 more horrific would be Sonic like, Sonic having a human-girlfriend relationship <laughs> with the original movie design. Exactly. I'd, I'd, go, uh, I'd, I'd go watch it. Then, generally, I'd love to go see it. Me actually just did, like, a full-body shudder at that. Oh, Jesus. Like, okay. An actual, like, wave of revulsion rode through her. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I pictured it. It was in my head. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so, uh, has anyone else actually seen the film yet? I've seen it. I have seen it. I'll go see it after, so I feel <laughs> part of this. <laughs> <laughs> see, a couple of weeks ago, you said you refused to see it okay, with, that, with the new design. True, I should stick to my guns. You know, I'll, I'll pirate it. There you go. But can I tempt you in with the, the, the revelation that there is a, an adorable baby Sonic in it? There is, and it's the no, best part No, I don't like babies. <laughs> it's, it's, I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb. It's cuter than Baby Yoda. That, that, Get that out of here. <laughs> it's it's uh, pretty cute. No. It's pretty cute. No. No, nobody's cute. Little Babby Sonic. Yeah. Babby. <laughs> Love me a what, bit of Babby. What did you think of the movie, Mia? I uh I I'm mm, uh, I I'm gonna go against the grain and and say that because uh, most people I've seen seem to like this movie. Um, most people I've heard it described as as uh, adequate and fine and you know <laughs> good and then there's the sonic stands that are all over it um i don't like this film no no i didn't hate it but i did not enjoy sonic the hedgehog as it currently is um i can get into why and i don't think we'll be going into any spoilers here we'll keep it pretty i mean the movie's right. been out for a week it's probably gotten all the viewers <laughs> it's gonna get yeah uh. well it's the best uh, well it's the it's the the highest grossing video game movie of all time. Yeah. Is it really? It, 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 it's, mm-hmm. it's now outperformed uh, Detective Pikachu. Yeah. Whoa. Mm. Mm-hmm. Damn. Okay. Got to go fast to the box office. Ugh. That was terrible. I'm sorry. She's going to be this all the way through. <laughs> but um, uh, what did what did you think of it, first of all? So I enjoyed it, but I think a lot of the people who have enjoyed it, like myself, went in with the lowest possible expectations. I think that's true. <laughs> and when you're yeah. expecting hot garbage, mm-hmm. and it actually turns out to be you know a, a pretty fun, simple kids slash family adventure movie. Oh no, it's a kids movie. Um, I wouldn't call this a family movie. It's <laughs> definitely a kids movie. Um, 
I think you come out pleasantly surprised. I, I think that's exactly what it is. And I'm going to come across as a hater here, and I do apologize for that in advance. But I feel like... In your after, Sonic cosplay as well. In my no. Sonic cosplay, what? yeah. I mean, uh, I wouldn't call myself the biggest Sonic fan in the world. I enjoy the Sonic games. I've played quite a few of them. I can't say I've played every single Sonic game, but I think the first game in the Sonic franchise I played was Sonic 2 at my cousin's house like back in the 90s. So I've, I've been there. Um... But I feel like people gave this film a big leeway because the studio decided to take fan criticism and redesign Sonic's uh, initial horrifying... Sorry. I personally think it's censorship, personally. <laughs> so. Um, what about the creator's original vision? Yeah. yeah what about the, the creator's original vision? Um there are there you know there 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 are limits on on that. <laughs> Can't I believe think. they took out Sonic's vagina bones, man. I oh, can't believe it. Can that just be the name of this podcast? Sonic's. Let's. <laughs> okay. Sorry, Bea. Um, sorry. So yeah, um, I did I did uh, some research a while back. I put out a YouTube video. Um, YouTube.com forward slash me a bite, by the way. Um, plug, plug. You know, about how this, how the film, even if they redesigned Sonic's character, the film was likely going to be uh, kind of mediocre. Um, and that basically broke down that everybody who's involved in the project had no decent uh, other projects. Like everything that they put out was kind of like not exactly the funniest. The jokes were very, very hit and miss. And from the trailers and stuff, I thought this is going to be exactly like every other live action uh, animation hybrid movie. And that's kind of what it ended up being, just with Sonic the Hedgehog's face slapped on it. Which, mm. So I, I expect more out of my movies. I expect more out of my kids' movies. Uh, a lot of people that, that are essentially sticking up for this film is saying, oh, well, you can't really, you know, be too too critical because it's a kid's movie. And I really do think that's, like, an, a massive cop-out where it's, like, there are so many fantastic kids' movies, like, released in, like, the last decade. Um, I, I talked about, like, some older kids' movies and somebody accused me of being incredibly nostalgic. But you think of anything that's been released in the last 10 years, like, and this is aside from Disney and, and, and Pixar and those offerings, like the Despicable Me franchise, uh, How to Train Your Dragon, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, like, all Incredible of that stuff. film great movies um which have i feel like have a lot more to say about morals and like how to live your life than the sonic movie ever could um my personal opinion on the sonic movie is like it was a very it was very safe um and i feel like this is going to be a minor spoiler but having uh it's a spoiler for like the, the opening 10 minutes it literally just sets it up having sonic grow up on earth mm. mm-hmm. is probably one of the worst decisions that they could have ever made and i know why they did it it's it's mostly probably going to be for budgetary reasons they they went with a simple script they kept it live action to keep the budget down even though with the reworks it's ended up costing around 95 million i think Oof. and like into the spider-verse cost 90 million so and won an oscar and won an oscar, won an oscar. deservedly yeah. won an oscar mm-hmm. yeah Definitely. so again like i, I I didn't go in with, into this with high expectations. I kind of knew what I was going to get, but I really wish that the opening 10 minutes of the film weren't, it wasn't so good. Like, the, the opening 10 minutes is um, set in um, Green Hill Zone from the actual games. And you well, s- although, interestingly, they never actually call it that, although it looks no. like it. And it they never like call it. the planet Mobius, which is typically yeah. Sonic's home planet. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's just... This is my home world. Yeah, you get to see so many wonderful things like that. That fantastical environment realized on the big screen for the first time ever. And you get, you know, uh, echidnas and baby Sonic and like... Weirdly an owl guardian. Yeah, which I feel like that was probably from like the first draft of the script when Sonic was still the horrible abomination that he was. Because it (laughs) makes more sense with that character. Being Why? Like because because owls like owls are horrific spew as well. their um their their prey up as like cubic. Well, it's just a difference in like art style. That was a very realistic looking okay. owl compared to like everything else in mm. in like the Sonic verse. But like uh, as soon as Sonic left that uh left uh Green Hill left Mobius to go to Green Hills, um 
Yeah, that, that I, it was just the, the the most boring slog of a movie to me. Sonic was great. Um, they characterized him as like a, a like the annoying kid brother type, and, and and oh my god, can I just say I've always wanted to see Sonic flossing. It's it's <laughs> amazing. <laughs> do, you know? do you mean flossing his horrible human teeth? Oh, flossing the dance. That's exactly why they should have kept it because we could have got to see more of that. A, a double flossing joke. Yeah. He could floss while flossing. Mm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, like that, I guess the conclusion is this isn't necessarily for fans. me. Yeah. Or, mm. or for, well, there's a lot of like fan service in there. There's a lot, like, a lot of memes and stuff like that. But I don't know. There's a lot of stuff that just did not hit. Like, for instance, Jim Carrey, he comes into the film doing his Jim Carrey thing. But it, he's more, to me, it's Jim Carrey playing 90s Jim Carrey in a Robotnik cosplay rather than Jim Carrey playing Robotnik. Did, did you also feel that he was almost subdued? Like, he was going for manic, but it felt like phoned-in manic. Yeah. He wasn't like Ace Ventura or the mask levels of crazy, where, right. but he was kind of trying to be that but failing. Yeah, I, it, it was a very odd performance because I, I'm not sh- I'm not a massive fan of, of those Jim Carrey performances anyway I mean my favorite film is Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind so I, I like I mean, him he's, he's like full on manic in that right <laughs> yes that's just Jim Carrey yeah. isn't it mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, but, you know that's where the famous somebody stop me comes from right exactly yeah, yeah somebody stop me from exploring my own brain yeah yeah <laughs> bleak so I I did quite enjoy it, having gone in with low expectations. I, mm. I particularly liked the repeated Mushroom Kingdom joke. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which was a, a nice little... You could take that as a, uh, a reference to either Sonic 3, or you could say, you know, when Sonic says, oh, I hate mushrooms, like, yeah. you, you kind of feel like that's got to be a bit of a, like a, yeah. a Mario jab there. So, But I think overall, the film felt like, and I think this kind of worked in its favour, it felt like a 90s movie. Yeah. And given Sonic was kind of arguably at his peak in the 90s, mm-hmm. that felt kind of appropriate. Yeah. The, the, the personality they gave him with the script and the performance felt very... Um, do either of you remember... Uh, you probably won't, Amy, because you might not have even been born oh, then. Baby. Um, the the original Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog cartoon mm. um, with mm-hmm. Scratch and Grounder as like the main kind of like Robotnik minions... Mm. Did you um, know was, was in Cartoon the movie? Network? Was he? The spot. voice actor was. He was oh. one of the generals in the uh, oh, in that nice. scene. Yeah. That's cool. Um, but yeah, like he, uh, Sonic in the movie felt very much like Sonic in that particular animated Excellent. series. Yeah. Very cartoonish, very overexcited, very, very much like a prankster. Oh, right, Whereas right. later shows turn him into more of like a hero archetype. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I, I I quite liked bits of what they did with it. It's not going to win any any awards. I would say it's one of the overall better video game adaptations mm-hmm. out there. Um, what are some of your picks for good video game adaptations in cinema? Oh, good question. Ooh. There's not a lot of them. I might tell you it, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's a thin field. Yeah, I I I really think I like. I preferred Detective Pikachu, and that wasn't an amazing film. Mm-mm. But like, as far as like describing things as adequate as I've heard the Sonic movie described, I feel like the the Detective Pikachu did a lot to like uh, make make that story like workable. I guess it's the best like introduction to a Pokemon world that you're gonna get in terms in, of in live action. As well, in yeah. live action, mm. yeah. I think I was going to be basic and say the Lara Croft movies were okay at the time. Oh, okay, yeah. They were okay. I remember going okay. to see the second one and falling asleep in the cinema. So, I, I, so, I can so that, that's my that's my barometer for those movies. Like they literally, the second one literally put me to sleep in yeah, the cinema. Yeah, but like alternatively, I'm going thirsty for Angelina Jolie. So, so, so that's going to keep you awake. So I'm going to yeah. be awake for that. Yeah. So <laughs> I, that's literally all I remember from so those. Films. I I will go to bat for at least the first Silent Hill movie. I think that works really well uh, yeah. as a horror movie and as is, an adaptation. Is, is that the one with Laurie Holden in? The one from Walking Dead. Um, I can't remember. I just remember it. it's Sean Bean and he. 
doesn't die at the end? Yes, yes, that's the one with uh, is Sybil in it? I think Sybil's in it or yes. something. Yes, that yeah. was a great movie actually. Um, yeah. I, I even kind of liked the the sequel, uh, although it wasn't as good as the first one. No, um, I don't think I watched the sequel, but the first one's amazing. And, well, I liked and it. to this day, I, I I will I will fight anyone who doesn't say that the first Mortal Kombat movie is a good movie because that is a <laughs> good film. I think it's one of the better video game movies. Yeah, I, I kind of want to cheat though and say uh, Wreck It Ralph. That's a movie about video <laughs> I games. I know it's still a better Sonic movie than Sonic what? the Hedgehog. Ready, Ready just... Player One. <laughs> no, definitely not. Um, Wreck It Ralph Two though, I thought was oh, dreadful. Like, everything they got right in the first one, mm-hmm. yeah, they got they got wrong. It felt like they just like merged Wreck It Ralph with the Emoji Movie. That's the... oh. oh no, yeah. that oh terrible. no, that is oh. slander indeed. Um, right, and we will wind up this week with our competition. Nice. So we have, for the first time, uh, two three-month Xbox Game Pass Ultimate codes, courtesy of Xbox to give away. That will give you unlimited access to Xbox Live, um, the um, Game Pass library, which is over 100 games now you can Uh download. Um, and on PC and Xbox. Oh, nice. Um, That's pretty good. So that is, that is a three-month library of games to be getting through, um, including all new releases that Microsoft publish. Yeah. And uh, to win one of these, you have to go through the onerous process. This is the hardest competition of going to gamingmag.com forward slash podcast competition and entering your details. Wow. Yeah, I know. So I know. It, it's a tough That's one, guys. It's a tough one. I don't know if I can manage that. I'm sorry. But um, I'm sure some of our wonderful listeners will be up to the challenge. Yeah, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, they will have needed to enter by Friday the 6th of March. Mm-hmm. So that's two weeks from this podcast going yes. live. That's just in time for the new uh, Ori game to come out, which will be on the Game Pass as it well. It will. Oh, and, yeah. and Ori and the Will of the Wisps mm. is one of my most anticipated games of the year. I love me a Metroidvania. I love the first one. The animation is mm-hmm. spectacular on it. The guy from who worked on another Metro 2 remake does uh, level design on the new one as well. So. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Right, so head over to the website, enter the competition, get yourself some amazing games. And we will be back with the next episode of the gaming podcast uh and probably back with robin assuming he's not still got the lurgy i think he's just playing lego games he's not yeah really i was sick. gonna say yeah, yeah. Like, probably yeah, lego games <laughs> I mean, what else are you gonna do when you're off sick exactly yeah. um and we'll be back in two weeks with the next episode so thank you mia thank you thank you amy thank you and uh this is us signing off bye, bye. bye.